Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Oh yeah, hello. Welcome to the show, welcome to, welcome to Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Oh, lots of cool kids in today, that's good. Uh, hello Colin, how are you doing? Colin here in the front row was responsible for saving the lost podcast number two, is that correct? It sounds like it because it sounds like you responding. But like, where did you have the? Uh, you are you illegally bootlegged the show. Are you doing it again today? Because home taping is killing podcasts. Um, people come out, put their own version of the podcast out from their perspective. It ruins it. But thank you very much for doing that. If you ever do it again, I will call the police and have you arrested. Uh, <laughs> It is good. It's probably a good idea. I'm doubling up. I'm recording. It's been working through the desk for the last few days. Anyway, it's a podcast. It's about Edinburgh. Um, uh, I'm kind of quite sprightly again. I'm kind of. I've been a bit a bit ill, but I'm feeling better now. I've been swimming. I'm pretty. Cool. You know, I'm pretty fit. Uh, Edinburgh's become a health spa. I'm sort of enjoying it. It's sunny, and so like I'm 45 years old now. I know I don't look it. Stop shouting out. Shush. Um, God, maybe the mics didn't pick that up, but this lady was very vociferously. <laughs> denying that that could be possible um, and you know obviously you come to Edinburgh and it's kind of full of like 20 year old attractive young students and as a 45 year old man in the sunshine it's hard you know sometimes you're, you're, I'm married and everything now I'm newly married but your mind wanders a little bit but I kind of I kind of quite like it because you know it's safe now I feel like you know they have like the United Nations send out kind of observers to wars and stuff <laughs> I feel a bit like one of those now. I'm kind of I'm I'm out, I'm here to observe sexiness. I'm not if I if I see sexiness, I'm not allowed to get involved in. It. I just have to look at it and and then when I get back, document what I've seen <laughs> in whatever way I see fit. But it's kind of quite a nice place to be because there's lots of be- it's it, well, it's nice to be young. Enjoy yourself while you're young, kids. If they're in, I'm looking at a load of quite old fat <laughs> fat men who, to be honest, have never had any kind of fun in their lives. Maybe when you get older, it'll start being fun for you guys. But, but for the young, you know, for those young, beautiful... You, know, sort of, you see a lot of students walking around with the sort of their faces painted, wearing sort of Victorian costumes and stuff, trying to publicise their shows. And you think, don't you realise, no, what, that is not going to make anyone come and see your show. <laughs> That's going to make people not come. What are you doing wasting your time? You're 20. Stop walking around dressed as a Victorian with a blue face. Go and fuck each other, you idiots, before it's too late. Um, but that may just be me. Uh, but uh, I, and uh, very exciting news, as I said yesterday, my new DVD, "What Is Love Anyway," uh, is uh, now out. You can get it from GoFasterStripe.com, who sponsored this podcast for nothing. They don't really know they're doing it. I've forced them to do it. Uh, and I, yesterday, I watched uh, one of the extras which I hadn't yet seen. I never really watched anything back, and I watched the extra on there, which I think we should have made the main DVD, uh, "Me One Versus Me Two Snooker," filmed. <laughs> it is honestly, I may be a bit biased. I think it's the best thing that's ever been committed to <laughs> in the history of cinematography and comedy and all art and 2,500 years of theatre. I think it is the best thing you've ever seen. And if you buy it and you disagree, you'll get your money back. Maybe. <laughs> if you can find me. Uh, <laughs> and you can prove it isn't the best thing ever. But uh, it's insane. I play myself at snooker. People look at me blankly. Usually I play myself a snooker and it's audio and a lot of purists are furious. Me, me too is furious that it's been committed to, to film because that's point, the part of the joy of the snooker podcast is you have to imagine what's going on as it's poorly explained by me and another me. 
there's too many God, people have confused a lot of Matthew Kelly fans in today it won't all be about snooker but do go and buy uh, Go Faster Stripe and the brilliant thing about Go Faster Stripe we haven't talked about very much I'll just mention this now because obviously this for most people at home this is free you didn't need even to need to pay for this you could have just waited until it came out uh, for you here uh, but uh, if you uh, if you're enjoying it at home it'll be terrific if you went to Go Faster Stripe and peruse what they've got there's also an Arnold Brown DVD that's just come out which is fantastic but there's loads of brilliant stuff there but hey just why don't you go and buy What Is Love Anyway if you enjoy these 25 podcasts that would equate to 50p each roughly for the podcast and you'd get a, like a massive DVD which is really good and it's got me playing snooker against myself in it okay uh, so uh, but it's a great ethos they, they put out kind of DVDs of people that would never get DVD deals usually and they most of them lose loads of money so uh, it's fantastic to see a business that is dedicated to creating something good rather than making cash I think that's just an unbelievable thing so do support them you here in the, in the, in the room have a chance to win some of the stuff um, that they put out I've got a copy of uh, What Is Love Anyway you could be the second person to have that in your hand um, I've got uh, Norman Lovett outside the box I've got uh, Baba Brinkman the rap guide to human nature see this is how he would never get a DVD deal would he? he sold about three of those uh, I've got the last copy left uh, that I have I'm sure there are more on the internet if you could find it of the very clever puzzle compendium by Elliot Line it's for geniuses uh, and I've got Edinburgh there's loads of these left uh, Edinburgh for everyone <laughs> A light-hearted history of by Ewan McInnes. I've been surprised how few people have started giving me their self-published books now that they know they can get a daily mention of this. And you can get tickets to Michael Legg and Phil Jupiter. I mean, those are two fantastic big names. Uh, I was working with Michael Legg last night uh, who, uh, on Do the Right Thing podcast who told me that uh, it came up in the podcast. He wasn't bragging. But he said he, the one time he'd had sex, sex with a teenager was when a Dutch girl... Uh, in London, recognised him from an advert he did in Holland for washing powder. And he ended up having sex with her because of that. It's amazing what fame can do, isn't it? So not only did he sold out, he then used that power to... He sort of groomed a girl via washing powder. So uh, that was good. So I'm glad that's got on the podcast. We might have him as guest. And Phil Jupiter, unfortunately, is working, so he can never do the podcast. But that is a shame. But I would love to have had him on. Uh, I could have gone... I could have gone round Bolivia or something with him in a car driving along dangerous roads but I chose not to stay at home and do free podcasts instead because <laughs> that's the kind of guy I am a fucking idiot uh, so what we do on the show we interview uh, the big stars from the fringe and some of them get some of the new acts on so later we got stools today what do you think this is what we did last year right I'd forgotten we had big stools so everyone could see us and now we're high up and that's good because Matthew Kelly he's not the tallest of men <laughs> I was going to be embarrassed when he comes on. The size differential between the two of us would have been... He's like weenie. He's like a little... He's like a ventriloquist puppet. It's like Nina Conti could have him on her knee. He's quite tall. It's, uh, I'm employing uh, irony. I'm like uh, Robin Hood's Merry Men. That's the kind of humour I like. Calling someone tall, small. That is as far as my... My humour will go. Oh, and also you can win a USB stick as well. Look at that for the stand. Probably get, you know... Hardly anything on there. And a badge. A stand badge. Yes, yeah, so now, now you've got excited. That is quite exciting, isn't it? And, and you can have my notes about Matthew Kelly from Wikipedia, printed up from Wikipedia. <laughs> and on the back is, the, is some of the uh, references to Mick Foley, because I've run out of paper. Uh, so we're having fun. It's a relaxed kind of vibe, as you can see. But uh, will you please welcome the star of Holding the Fort? We'll all remember him from Holding the Fort. <laughs> Yeah, I do. He was fits in holding the fort. I genuinely do remember it. He's had a, a wide and varied career from game shows to acting. And he's here in Edinburgh doing, uh, I have to be careful with this, 
educating Rita, because I wrote a play. Uh, they ripped me off. I wrote a play called Excavating Rita. And then Willie Russell saw that, thought, oh, I'll not take that. I'll, uh, what? He's a reet bastard, that Russell. <laughs> Did you like my little impression of you there? Uh, I, made, I made you something from Newcastle for some reason. Will you please welcome, I'm, I'm a massive fan of this man, it's Matthew Kelly, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes. Tiny Matthew Kelly, hopefully. Here he is. He's tiny little Matthew. Look, he's like a ventriloquist dummy. Don't let Stuart Lee near him. Hello, Matthew. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? You're looking very bright and fresh for this mi- midweek of uh, Cheers, the Edinburgh mate. Fringe. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Are you having a good time? Marvellous. <laughs> no, it's, how could you not? It's Edinburgh. Cool. You know? So th- we'll talk about your show first. We'll get that out Yeah, out do way. that. Yeah, so, so you're in the play. You're playing uh, the playing Michael Caine role. The Michael Caine role, If yeah, you've seen yeah. the film. Yeah, obvious choice. With yeah. uh, Claire Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, how's it going? It's great. It's, yeah, it's really... I'm a, having a lovely time because we've been on the road for four months with it and... Oh, um, cool. Um, Willie Russell's uh, uh, redirected it and rewritten oh, really? it for uh, Edinburgh, yeah, from a two-hour version to a 90-minute version. Oh, uh, so we got to uh, redo it. So it's uh, And this is the end of the tour. This is the end of uh, everything. And uh, so we're just uh, having a lovely time. And it's weird with audiences here because they're very hard to win over, you know, because uh, they sit there going, well, you know, why should we be in here like you are doing now? Instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of watching the Ladyboys of Bangkok in the, uh, in the marquee up the back. And um, so... They, they, they're very hard to win over, but by the end, people are really, really appreciative and very supportive. And what's great is other other shows are very supportive of you. you yeah. know, there's no, absolutely no competition. And I've never believed there's any competition in any kind of theatre or any kind of artwork at all. Whereas you go down to uh, the West End, and uh, everybody thinks they're all in competition with you know all the, the Cameron Mackintoshes and all those people. They think they're all they're all scared of each other, scared yeah. of losing what they've got. Whereas when we're all up here, none of us have got anything, really. No, well, it's interesting, because especially this year in Edinburgh, because of the Olympics, maybe in the recession, we don't quite know, but the, the numbers are definitely down. So everyone really is needing an audience. No one's really selling out. Hardly anyone's oh, selling out. No. Well, so, but it's kind of interesting that people are still kind of... We're all in the same boat, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah, we built up. We, were, we opened uh, Wednesday last week, and uh, we built up all week until uh, Monday and Tuesday. We got the house full signs out. And then uh, I saw this great bloke who was coming out to the performance bar, and, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, I really like your show. He said, uh, I'm sorry, it's my day off. He was completely awash with Guinness. And I said, yeah, we're doing really well. I think we're going to be a hit. We've been house full two nights. He said, yeah, it's two for one on Monday. And, <laughs> and we're in Scotland where they like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I sold out on Monday and Tuesday, and then, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I genuinely think tonight's Talking Cock might be the lowest audience I've ever had on a Friday night in Edinburgh for probably 15 years but we'll see so there's still chance there's still chance to uh, and I'm in the biggest venue I've ever been in don't feel sorry for me that's all right I'm just <laughs> it's, I've just had my house done up and I've got no money at all and I'm gonna have to sell the house and uh, live in the gutter but don't don't feel sorry for me or buy tickets for the show uh, <laughs> what time is it on the, the plane 540 oh, that's the George time. Square Theatre yeah assembly not the assembly rooms. Ooh, controversy. <laughs> Big controversy about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, we're here. We're here in the stand who now who now run the assembly rooms. So, oh yeah. So be careful yeah. what you say. They might. Oh my God, yeah. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah, but they kind of have no choice because assembly rooms are the assembly rooms. Yeah, yeah. So assembly is assembly, and assembly is assembly rooms. What are you going to do? 
It is a little bit confusing. Stab and it's somebody. It's annoying for assembly, but it's good for the stand. So I mean, I'm torn between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although most of the shows that I've seen have been at the assembly rooms. I shouldn't really say that. No, but I've seen some fantastic shows at assembly rooms. That's what's so brilliant when you go and see other people's shows. It's so inspiring. Yeah. I saw Les Dennis yesterday doing a show called Jigsy. Which is great, and I've never really seen Les do a proper, like proper acting before. And uh, he, he was remarkable. And um, Bob Down, uh, I went to see. He was, uh, yeah, I know Bob Down. Well, <laughs> uh, he was great. Uh, a, a woman called Virginia Gay. Have you seen her? No. She's sensational. And it's this. It's not only seeing people that at, at the height of their powers of performing. It's the stuff that the shows say yeah. to you that that you will never get anywhere else. Um, Virginia Gay show is about, you know, being, finding the dark side of yourself and making it the best part of you. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking that. I don't get out to see, I don't get out to see anything. I really don't. I mean, do I'm, ter- I'm really, but well, I'm, really? I'm doing two shows in a day and it, ta- you know, it's pretty hard because I've got to d- upload this podcast and then do my next show. And I mean, I could probably come and I will, pro- I will come and see uh, you do Educating have, No, Weed. you do have to be really, really careful yeah. because I said to Claire Sweeney last night when we were doing the show, because we've got, to, there are 13 scenes in, in our play. And uh, we're getting to the end of uh, the second scene, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to get through to another 11 scenes of this. But you get carried along with it. And I said to Claire afterwards, I said, we are not going to sit... Well, right, all right, one show, one show, right. So we went to see Virginia Gate. It was brilliant, completely brilliant. Australian singer, marvellous. And uh, so we were hanging about in a bar in the Spiegel tent up here. And uh, then that La, La Clique Royale started <laughs> off, and we hadn't got tickets. So we stayed in the bar and we watched the whole thing. We got home at midnight completely pissed. And I, I, was, I said, we've got to stop doing this because you, you forget how much it takes out of you doing yeah. the show, really. Well, I can't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 45 years old, as I mentioned. I cannot believe that. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, it's hard to believe. But you must be a little bit older than me. You're still looking for, you know, you're yeah, exactly got pass. I've got a boss pass. You see this? Yeah. That is nearly as valuable as your boss pass. And you know when people say, what, if, if your house is on fire, what would you run in and save? My bus pass is the only thing that I would save. It is the most fantastic thing. And let me tell you, it is so worth waiting for. I'm telling you. I mean, be careful of the, the picture you get put on it because you have, you have it for five years. I look like somebody who does grooming on the internet. Really <laughs> oh, no, look, I only have four quid and I wanted it straight away in case they changed the times because you've got to be 62 now before right. you can get it. So I was in the post office and I only had four quid and I couldn't wind the thing down on the, on the photo thing. So I'm trying to get my face into the thing. And I... And I and I had, a, I had a bald head and, and I'd just shaved a walrus moustache off because I'd just been doing that waiting for God. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, so I just, oh, it looks really grim. <laughs> Five years. <laughs> Do be but careful. Free bus morning. travel. Yeah, yeah. Though maybe not on Lothian buses who I saw. I was talking about this yesterday, but I've been thinking about it all yesterday. I saw a, a man who was about 85 years old uh, it was about 10 metres from the bus stop and the bus was coming in and he started running. Like, I've never seen a man that old running. It was amazing. It was like chariots of fire. Exactly like it. It was like in slow motion, but he was still going for it. And, and the bus driver saw him coming and just started driving off. And then... <laughs> and then... <laughs> 
And then just looked at him as he went by on the boat. He was going, oh, and he could have just easy. It's just long. It's a single track. There's nothing. He could just have stopped and let him, you know, as he went by, he could have picked him up. It was the most wonderful thing I've seen him, this guy running, the most terrible thing I've seen. And on the back of Lothian buses, it's got this big thing saying, oh, we allow, you know, did we got access on all our buses for disabled old people? But only if you can get on. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about it in my Metro. I've just written a blog about it. I'm going to write it in my Metro column the week after next one because I've just done the next one. But I'm going to take Lothian buses down. That one man. It was actually, see, that's when, I think when you're in a festival, you suddenly notice these moments of drama. Yeah. But the, the look on this guy's face and the choice he had to make the drive, he had this choice. He could have said, well, this guy, the hope, I think, of the old man, <laughs> A, designed to run. He must have lived a life of knowing that bus drivers will drive away. Yeah, yeah. But yet still there was hope enough in his heart to run his old legs. Hope is a killer. You can kill with despair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I, mean, that, I suppose it is quite like Waiting for Godot, that, that, kind, of, yeah. that kind of meanness and cruelty. You played Pozzo in Waiting for Godot, which I, I saw in the, in the West End, which yeah. was a phenomenal production. I think with um, Ian McKellen, Sir yeah, yeah. Ian McKellen, and Roger yeah, yeah. Reese, who might be a Sir as well. Yeah, yeah. You a yeah. Sir yet? Yeah. You're yeah, not yeah, a Sir yeah. yet? Yeah. No. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> After this, it could be anything. could be. I think it could we'll be a game of the British Empire. I've had, some OB, I've had some OBEs on. Um, not to app that before they'd been on the show, uh, but uh, in the in the London one. But yeah, how did you? F- I mean, I love uh, Waiting for God. It's a fantastic. Play, oh, that was, how yeah. was that working with well, those? I love, I love uh, Samuel Beckett. I, I love his stuff and playing parts. I mean, playing evil parts is just fantastic. I did wear a fat suit for it, and it had to be let out, which was really <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah. yeah, and then and then because uh, uh, we, we, we played in the West End for about four months, and then we went to Australia and New Zealand, and then we went to South Africa, um, which right at the end of the tour. We had a month in um, in Cape Town where we played um, the Fugard Theatre, which is right on the edge of District Six, which, which is an amazing place. That, that uh, an area that got cleared out during apartheid. Not only did it get cleared out, sixty thousand people, uh, mostly uh, black mixed race, are what they called coloured as well. And they not only moved everybody out, they flattened the area, and they overlaid the road map. So. Or, so you couldn't tell where the roads were. And ever since then, it's never been built on. And then we went out to Kailicha, which is uh, one of the townships of, of over a million people. And uh, we, we, we toured around the area and went to the Oliver Tambo Gymnasium where we played, and I thought, we're going to be shot. We will be killed here. I was frightened. And it was the most extraordinary audiences we ever had because Waiting for Godot was about their lives. And it was, it was so moving. I mean, right down to, like, little toddlers and, and really old people. And, and they just loved their laugh. They cried. And it was an extraordinary experience. And afterwards, they said... Um, do you want to come to a Shabin? Yeah. I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I thought, a, a Shabin to me would be like, you know, a little old hot, you know. And I've been to them in, in all, all, all over the world, you know, when you get, if you go in a third world country, you get bars that are like, they're very strange. They're a bit like tiger cages, but with, uh, you know, but in, in a shed. <laughs> and uh, so I thought it'd be like that. Anyway, in the middle of this township where there was just, uh, just huts and corrugated iron and the poverty you've never seen, they're like, we get taken to this Shabin, which we've been warned not to go to. So we had to hide until everybody in authority had gone. We get taken to this place. It was the most lavish club I have ever seen in my entire life, right in the middle of this township. Right. It was unbelievable. But it was a great experience. And being with somebody like Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen is exactly like you want him to be. Yeah. He's a kind, generous, good-hearted, politically right-on, good man. 
and uh, it's everything you want. Uh, it's everything I believe the actors are as well. Yeah. I think they're kind and generous, supportive, and, and li like the people that you find in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I think that's what Edinburgh is all about. I'm drifting about all over the place. <laughs> talking about any old shit will do. We've just got to fill the time. I'm just it filling would, the time. It would have passed yeah. in any case. Yeah. But, so Come on, I did a Beckett quote there. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but Beckett. I, would, I did uh, Endgame with my son. Right. My son is an actor, and, and we are identical. And we did Endgame up at the Liverpool Everyman uh, Theatre. And uh, we went on to promote... Um, Endgame on the Paul O'Grady show and, uh, and me and our Matt have never been on telly before together so we sat on the sofa and at the end of the show a management rang up and said we've never seen you two on telly before uh, do you want to come and work for us we'd like you to play sisters this Christmas <laughs> cross dressing with your children over the festive period is all shades of wrong <laughs> so we did <laughs> with massive racks it was fantastic <laughs> You should try it. Good to have a hobby. But you've got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one there. Uh, it was, yeah, but you've, I mean, you've had an astonishing career, really. And, and I, I think well, it's sort of interesting with Les Dennis as well, because both of you have had kind of careers that have, have traversed sort of 30 or 40 yeah, years, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, you've kept working constantly well, we in different from, things. From different directions. Yeah. Les was a comic, yeah. and, uh, and I, I was an actor. I was a, and I was a stage manager as well. Right. But I came from it from that side. So presenting was a weird thing to do for me. How did you end up getting the... Because uh, Game for the Laugh was the thing that really... You did a couple of things before that, but Game for the Laugh was the thing that kind of yeah, broke yeah, you I, into the well, I was doing presenting I, anyway. Yeah, I'd done a, a, a lot of work before. Ten years of theatre, and then, um, then, then I started doing sitcoms. And then I got asked to go on a thing called Punchlines, where I was supposed to be a celebrity. And uh, I, I was really embarrassed because I wasn't one. And so uh, a, a big friend of mine, I was, I was at college with a girl who was one of the liver birds. And I said to my mate Liz, I, I was living in her cellar at the time, and I said, I said I've got... I was, and, uh, 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 yeah, 10 by 10 with a lean-to kitchen. She hadn't locked you in there, though, no, right? No, she did. No, no, so no, you, 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 you could get out of Only there. on occasion. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, she'd keep me for dinner parties, really. And... Um, she said, I said, I'm not, I don't know what to do. I, I don't think I've been asked to be a celebrity. And she said, well, obviously they think you are. Why don't you go along, take the money, and don't be humble? So I did. And I was the only one I'd ever heard on this list of uh, things. And while I was doing punchlines, they said to me, and it's absolutely true, they said, um, if we asked you to jump out of an aeroplane, would you? And I went, yeah. Like, you know, you say anything to get a job, wouldn't you? So I, so I did, and I got the job on Game for a Laugh, and I jumped out of an aeroplane, and I broke my leg, and I got yeah. famous. And, uh, and so the, my career kind of took off. And what is brilliant about that period is... That, <laughs> what is brilliant about that period is that it made me famous. And now, thing that, and it, it might have made me famous for the wrong reasons, but it doesn't really matter anymore, because... Fame is the thing, and celebrity is the thing, and that and that's what gets you work. If I hadn't have become famous from that, I don't think I would be sitting here with you now. But that's probably true. But then also, you were you were an actor beforehand, and then you got kind of sidetracked into oh, like yeah. this fifteen years of I know, presenting. But then you see what happens is all through that period when I was doing um, presenting, I was also going out and doing plays. I do one right. or two plays every year. Well, you see, in those days, you could get seen by twenty million people on a Saturday night on a Saturday night uh, black shiny floor show. 
and uh, you go out into the provinces and you do a play, you know, say you do a Beckett play, you get seen by 8,000 people at the most. So when I finally finished those, uh, those Saturday night shows 10 years ago, I just went back into acting, which is what I knew, and people went, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And I go, well, I've been practising in private for the last 20 odd years. Where have you been? <laughs> but I really remember that broker, the broker, you with the broken leg in Game for a Laugh. And it yeah. was, uh, I guess, what, what, what year was Game for a Laugh? It was kind of 
and the bucket on the digger came down and chopped the car in half. And his wife became completely hysterical, of course. And I said, you can't do that to people. It's just awful. This is the very first one, remember? And I think, oh my God, what have I got involved with here? And uh, the producer said, yeah, but you see, she'll come in and she'll become a star and she'll love it. And she did. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And then people kind of wanted to be on it. They wanted to have stuff done yeah. to them, you know. I mean, people do, I guess, was a comedian. I mean, this front row who are sitting here in the hope that I will take the piss out of them for looking <laughs> like paedophiles, basically. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's what they will like that. And then they'll go home and say, yeah, it's called be a nonce. It was good. Uh, and uh, so people kind of do like, so there is a kind of catharsis to all kind of entertainment. But it is, it is I mean, I've, I've found recently, a few years ago, I did a thing in, in Edinburgh with uh, another podcast I did where we, um, I'm obsessed with the Tempting Tatty, which is a, a baked potato shop up the hill, which I've been to every year for 25 years. And the, and the owner at the time was a very grumpy kind of guy who kind of finally worked out who I was because I kept mentioning him in papers and was gr- grouchily giving me my potatoes and I arranged one day for all of the listeners to the podcast to come at the same time to the shop <laughs> and all and try and make him run out of potatoes which is kind of a prank but it's kind of quite a nice prank because he get, get, makes some money out of it yeah. but he was really you know but he was still annoyed <laughs> we came we came like at two o'clock so it was just like he thought oh you know I can just start winding down the <laughs> and then there was literally 150 people kind of ro- winding down this road he had to he had to stop twice to reload the other he did, we didn't make him run out for, I really wanted to kind of I wanted to have the shop that it was like locusts had been there and there was just there's nothing left but he did manage to survive so it's kind of fun to do a prank like that and I did a thing the other day just on Twitter by sort of accident where there was someone else called Rich Chain collecting money for a charity and I just said on Twitter oh why don't you pretend this is me and all go and donate money to his charity and like 400 people went and donated like t- 5 or 10 quid and he reached yeah. his target yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of that's a fun way of making I mean I, was, I really like the idea of him waking up in the morning and checking his page and going fucking hell what's happened because he just literally set this up he had naught pounds on the, in the evening and then the next day there was like 2,000 pounds <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, but that's kind of fun. It seems to be well, like Les- people want to be mean with these pranks. Leslie's show talks about uh, all comedy being cruel, oh. and, and and it kind of is in a way. Now, if you go and see Bob Down, I mean, it might be your thing, it might not be, but he talks to people in the audience, and and he does take the piss out of them, but he is also really kind to them as well, and very caring in a way and it's a very hard balance to make if you just take the piss out of people for the sake of it then what is the point of that you know it, it doesn't have any it has no grace it has no charm it has no point and I don't think it's funny but but people to, to be kind with people at the same time and make and be inclusive is a rare thing to do yeah and some people have got it and what and another thing about Edinburgh is when you go and see people who are absolutely at the top of their game and you see their timing and and uh, and the artistry and the craft that goes into it. I just I'm inspired by it. I think it's a marvelous thing. And I've uh, well, I, I, I'd like to think I've learned a lot, but probably not. I've just got <laughs> got drunk a lot. <laughs> that's, it's good that you still. I mean, I I can't do. I can't go. And, I had one whiskey last night and thought I better stop because otherwise I'll, I won't be able to talk to Matthew Kelly in the morning. <laughs> I won't know what to say. But uh, do you find with? I mean, I find with. I mean, what I like about comedy is because <clears throat> I've written it, I can change it if I want. To, but with doing a play, not if you've done this for several months, the same every night. Do you still? Do you, how do you keep it interesting for yourself to not? Oh well, I, it was lovely coming out of uh, presenting, and I've stopped all that uh, completely now. And I, and uh, in a way, I uh, well, in in every way, I admire people who do stand up and people who have 
stuff that they do. I would much rather do somebody else's work. Comedy, if you're going to do your own in stand-up, it has to be your own, and it has to come from your heart or your experience or, or what you want to say to the world. I would much rather say to the world what I want to say through other people who could be much more erudite and succinct and, and, uh, and witty than I can be. And so when I kind of come on shows like this, it's quite, quite hard to come on if you don't have your funny thing that you do. Because you know I, mean? <laughs> uh, I, I, I would much rather have Willie Russell's script in front of me because he's... You can do he's, a bit now if you want. He's <laughs> <laughs> I can pretend to be Claire Sweeney. And ha- <laughs> I love her. <laughs> oh, you just like her. <laughs> I was transported for a minute, yeah. <laughs> I had a great time with Claire. And, uh, that's, an, that's another interesting thing about Claire Sweeney. She really is Rita, and in a way, uh, educating Rita, Rita is about her mother's life. Yeah. You know about, uh, and it's about choices and about, um, and that's what's so great about Willie Russell's writing. You know, he writes about the fact that you you may want to stay on an estate and just spawn children and go uh, drinking, and that is there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's having the choice, not being forced to be stuck in that and have no aspirations at all. And what education gives you is choice. And, and he's funny about it, and he's, and he's witty and he's charming, and he's kind and he's intellectually inclusive, which I think is a rare thing as well. Well, I wrote a play called Excavating Rita, which obviously came after this, yeah, which, was was about, which was about... Tell, tell ar- us about it. It was, a, it was an archaeological dig, so we did that. Was just We kind of yeah, fi- finally yeah, came yeah. up with this slightly witty title about it. So, uh, but, Very uh, witty. But, um, uh, I w- so I'd done some acting, and I've, I've written plays that I've, I'm in. It's, I find it kind of odd, because I'm, I'm the writer, and then I'm the actor if I'm in something, and I have to divide those two things up. Otherwise, you're going to think, well, I'll just write all the best jokes for me or whatever. But with that play... What's wrong with that? Well, I, you know, I think you've got to make sure... You've got to make sure... I, I like to write ensemble stuff. I really like writing for actors and good actors. And, you know, you, you learn a lot from actors as a writer, I think. And as a comedian, they'll, they'll bring stuff to something. But so I like to... But to the extent that with Excavated Rita, I wrote a bit where my character ended up stripping off completely naked and having sex with the, the skeleton, which you didn't see brilliant. that happening. Yeah. Uh, but, and as a writer, I thought, that is brilliant. And then as the actor, when I got it, I went, yeah, but I don't have to take all my clothes. <laughs> that's, that's kind of, when I realised that I would have to actually take my clothes off, that was kind of a sort of odd thing. So you have to have this sort of duality. But uh, it, it, it's sort of have you ever done? You must have done sort of new stripped, stripped off, off stuff in in your place. Have I taken my clothes off? Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, on stage. I, I did. Yes. Do you want to do it now? Oh, on stage, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it in a. I, I was in a company called Seven Eight Four, uh, which was um, it was a. a a socialist company. Uh, uh, in fact, it started in Scotland, and it was the title Seven Eighty Four was based on the fact that the seven percent of the, the population owned eighty four percent of the wealth. I think it's right. the numbers are slight. I think it's two ninety eight now or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I think it probably something is. like that. And uh, it was a play by John McGrath about three Liverpool poets, and um, and I stripped off in that for one reason only because it was artistically completely gratuitous. <laughs> and, and I wanted to see what it felt like. And so I did. And uh, so the play opened in uh, Nottingham, and um, the, all the dignitaries were there for this, uh, for this thing, and I t- took me closer. And all I did was I had to, I'd stripped off completely. I didn't have to be like this, but I stripped off, uh, and I, I was wearing a, a blanket, and I just let the blanket fall over. Uh, open uh, in one of the in front of one of the characters who was shot to the board and ran off. And then uh, 
the sheriff of Nottingham, for they do have a sheriff, <laughs> uh, left in disgust. Wow. Well, he must have had binoculars. I mean, I how, <laughs> how on earth he saw that, I have no idea. Plus the fact that they did have the cars ready to go yeah. as well. So I, I kind of think that they just wanted an excuse to walk out of a socialist show anyway. That's, right, yeah, maybe, that, yeah. That's all it was. But, uh, yeah, I would. But if you are going to do that, you, you, you do worry about your member. Yes. You worry well, about there's two, there's two. There's two things to worry about. It being too small, and yeah. also it being too big as well. But that's the, that's the danger. I yeah, you, that would be a real a sort of, worry, wouldn't you're it? In a sort of, well, you're, you're in a sort of compromise. I was, I was the most worried thing. I was thinking, what if I got an erection? Oh, I see show? what you mean. Oh, that kind of too big. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. What is well, what wrong with happened? you? It's a psychosomatic that's response. Just what if it happened? But then, but also if it's too small, so you kind of just backstage. I would give it like a couple of touches. <laughs> oh. Uh, just. Uh, just to make sure it was, wasn't yeah. too little. <laughs> but then, but you're in a dangerous... You know, if you tell that... Just hang a stage weight on it. What is wrong with you? I found it, like, incredibly liberating to, do, to be nude on stage. Because yeah, once yeah. you've done that, there's not, not really anything. I've done it a few times in different things. But that was kind of... To be actually on stage was weird. There was only one time I found it weird... Was, well, it was kind of it was an odd performance. The show always worked really well, and it was and it did dramatically work. This kind of thing where running on naked, it was kind of a brilliant dramatic moment and funny. Of course, I'm not the best looking man in the world even then, uh, and uh, and you know, not the kind of guy you see with clothes up. But there was one there was one show that just was, hadn't caught fire, and the audience weren't really behind it. And I think there was also it might be a different show, but in my mind it's the same show. There were two girls of about nine years old sitting <laughs> on this rake seating, uh, more or less. The le- there were three or four rows back, but that made them more. Or less the level of where <laughs> so, so I kind of I sort of that I ran on and the only time I ever did it, I felt like myself because I think as an actor you kind of you're, yeah, you're yeah, you yeah. inhabit the role yeah, you can yeah. sort of can, can, you don't feel it's you and it felt like me and there was no response from the audience the audience didn't go Ray, or laugh there was just silence and so it felt like me and then I'm on stage for quite a while and then I get punched and knocked out and someone usually threw this thing over me to cover me up as I'm lying down. And she threw this thing and it missed. <laughs> and she had a lot to aim for. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and so then I was lying there for another five minutes just with my cock kind of on my leg there. Going, <laughs> yeah, like there, that's where it was. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, it's still yeah. unerect. Uh, and it was, and it, it was completely humiliating because it felt like it was me and then it was also this thing. But the, every other time it felt kind of weirdly fine and... And then sort of liberating to what you've transgress this I boundary. What is liberating now is to go bald. Right, bald. It's so settled for that. That'll just do you. <laughs> it's a very odd thing, nudity, isn't it? I discovered a terrible thing the other day. I went to a friend's wedding, and I'm not big on weddings at all. Cause it, I mean, oh, you just got married. I did. I just got yeah. four months. Congratulations. Thank you very yeah. much. I mean, I don't like weddings because it's like going to a party that's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of that? And uh, when I when I came away from the the, uh, from it uh, about a week later they asked me because they have been asking all their friends if we, if we got photos the only photo I have is a photo of a bloke in a car, car park <laughs> who is so pissed he wasn't even at the wedding <laughs> so pissed he had his trousers down and he had his flat cap on and he had gone to take a piss and he'd fallen asleep on the bins and that was the only photo <laughs> I had of the entire wedding yeah that must have been liberated. Anyway, it'd be good if that was just their wedding album. They'd like all of the photos have been destroyed, <laughs> and they just had to use that as their. Yeah, here's our wedding album. It's a man falling asleep having a piss. Uh, right, I'm asking all of my guests this question. 
questions. I'm asking a few questions that I ask. Have you, do you, have you, have you ever worked with the uh, actor Keith Allen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course I have. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, he's my enemy. Uh, I don't no! Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Keith Allen. He's a strange boy. <laughs> he is a strange He's boy. a very odd man, Keith Allen. I mean, I like him enormously, but uh, that's because I worked with him and I, and I had, uh, I didn't have, d- didn't take any nonsense from him, is all I'm going to say about it. He's a very strange man. I, I did that play Comedians. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, I saw yeah. that as well. I forgot. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that was great as well. Sure. Yeah, I forgot. Hey. I forgot he was Are you that. stalking me? Oh, <laughs> right. I saw that. That's really... You were great in that. And I, but my favourite story about that is that I, well, during that run, at about three o'clock in the morning, I was walking through Hammersmith and I saw Keith Allen standing outside uh, uh, Garfunkel's on his own, that, that horrible pub in the yeah, centre, yeah, yeah, yeah. drinking on his own. And I, and I thought, ah, good, he's having a horrible... He's, ha- he's got a horrible... <laughs> he's got a horrible <laughs> life. He's he got did. no friends and he drinks on his own. He's got, no, I think he's a massively insecure man. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, like people like that are. And, uh, and, and he's very confrontational. And he does kind of... Uh, and I think he's a tester. He's one of those people who tests you out all the time. Yeah. And so you just don't have any trouble with it. And he's, and he's like a lamb, really. He did, what, there was one performance... I mean, he was perfect in the part. Absolutely perfect. I'll give you that. He was good, he wasn't was he? Good, yeah. But there was one day where he just was... Around and he was just <laughs> awful, really awful, you know. His briefcase fell open, everything fell out, but he fell off the chair. And, like, and you've got like nine lads on stage, you know, like Mark Benton and, and Reese Shearsmith, all funny, very kind people, all absolutely pissing themselves laughing, uh, except for me. And I hate <laughs> that kind of thing. And I was really, really upset. And I came up and I didn't say anything to him, and I didn't have to because <laughs> he apologized and oh, said, wow. I will never do that again. He does that. He's like a naughty boy. What's yeah. your thing with Keith? Well, Allen, he just like? when we were students in the Oxford View, he kind of kind of came and heckled our show and moved crash mats and tried to you know he was drunk and probably oh. and tried to fight this theatre theatre manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's only a, it's a sort sort of jokey sort of thing. And then I went on a TV show with him the next week when he tried to give a right to reply and then he was just horrible. And I was like a nineteen year old and he was a you know. He was oh, just basically right. bu- bullying us for being from Oxford. Oh, but, oh, uh, I thought yeah. I liked him. Now I hate yeah, him. No. Oh. <laughs> but then I, I've tried to make up. But I'll ask you this question. Yeah. What would it take for you to fillet the actor Keith Allen? <laughs> and you may have done so. or uh, You never know. If you've worked with him, you may have been the first person. I would say about three and 11 a yard. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much well do it. I don't know. Uh, is that a proper question? Yeah, because last year someone uh, told us that he kind of walked into a bar and uh, got in and I think got out his cock and said, who wants to suck my cock? <laughs> And, no, and nobody did. So from, from then on, from then on, I've asked all my guests. Oh, it would depend on the circumstances yeah. and, um, and how brainless I was. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> be quite brainless. I think yeah. a lot of drugs. It okay, would take, a lot of yeah. drugs. Good. <laughs> That's good. And uh, if you had to have sex with, uh, mm-hmm. if you had to have sex with an animal, if you had to, <laughs> if you had to, it was yeah. like the, you know the world was going to be destroyed if you didn't. Yeah. And you could choose any species of animal to have sex with. Which animal would you have sex? <laughs> Oh, an anteater. An anteater. Oh. <laughs> oh, every time. <laughs> the yeah. proboscis. Oh, is they're it? just, you just, you know, it's all there, isn't it? Bloody <laughs> <laughs> hell, mate. I would save the world with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose if I eat ants, it'll eat anything, right? <laughs> so, uh, that's the. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing about that. Right, we're going to take a, a little quick break, um, and uh, it's been really lovely talking to you. We might have a time to have a little bit more of a chat, but we're going to have a, a stand-up on now. If you want to uh, make some room, because there's little... If you want to go back and uh, stand over there, that'd be fantastic. Uh, uh, will you please welcome uh, Matthew Osborne, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. 
Thank you, people. Hello. Oh, look, it's a good-looking crowd. I like this. Front row's a bit masculine, but never mind. It's a very beardy, actually. But no, hello. You're nice. I like this. Nice smiling faces. like to see happy people. You happy? Not that happy. Fair enough. I don't, I don't blame you. We're all broke now. That's the thing. No one's got any money left. Everyone's running out of cash. People are pissed off about it. You guys broke? Yeah. yeah pissed off about that as well. Fair enough. Yeah. We're, we're all broke. I wouldn't worry about it. That's the thing. We've all spent our money on rubbish. You know, I think we've all bought too much stuff we don't need. I know I have... Just had one of those new see-through sunken baths fitted, which is pretty groovy. Of course, the guy in the flat below is furious. Uh, I try to calm him down by waving at him through my legs. He's not having any of it. Oh, miserable bastard. But no, it do- I say it doesn't matter if you're broke. Who cares? I'm broke. I don't care. I'm saving up. That's the trouble. Saving up for a sex change. Yeah, I can't wait. My brother's going to be furious when he wakes up from that operation. No more cock and balls for him. You've got, to be, you've got to be careful these days. That's the thing. You've got, to be, you know, you've got to be in your toes, otherwise that sort of thing happens. It's a tough world now. Anything can happen. We live in dangerous times. You've got to be careful. And only the other day I saw a fat guy fall down in the street. I thought, that's pretty funny. And then I thought, no. No, actually, that's not funny at all. You've got to land it on me. <laughs> guy like that could do a lot of damage. You know, you've got to be careful. These fat guys flopping about all over the place can have a man's eye out. Too many of them. That's what I say. Too many comfort eaters. You know how much more comfortable they need to be. Well, they're eating pillows. <laughs> of course, you're all lovely, sexy, skinny people. I appreciate that. Obviously, sometimes there are fat guys in the audience. Usually, by this stage, they're pretty annoyed. Not because of what I've said, just because they're hungry. <laughs> You've got to keep fit. That's the thing. You've got to keep on your toes. It's very important. My doctor told me if I want to keep fit, I need to do something that increases my pulse and makes me sweat because I've started shoplifting. <laughs> Fitness through crime. Hmm? But no, life, that's the thing. There is a lot of crime these days. Life is very tough. You've got to... You've got to keep any codes. You've got to, we live in an unfriendly country. That's the thing. It's very unfriendly now. You know, I recently joined evening classes in the hope of meeting new people. Even there, I found myself shunned and ignored. Still, I learned a lot about breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> you win some, you lose some. It's the way life goes. I'm a pretty good breastfeeder now. See me afterwards if you're interested. But no, we do. We live in, we live in difficult times. I tell you, there is one group in society I do not like. There's one group in society I've got no time for. Those guys who come knocking on your door trying to tell you about God. A couple of guys came to my door the other day. Didn't know who they were at first. They said, do you want to be born again? I said, sure. Sounds like fun. Find me a woman big enough and I'll do it. <laughs> From what I can remember when I was born, I was naked, I was screaming, I was covered in blood and there was a nurse slapping my ass. Who wouldn't want to do that again? <laughs> I don't, I don't think is I don't really like religious people. That's the trouble. You know, I'm not a bigot. I want to get on with them. I just don't. I don't bond with them. You know, I've never have done. I tried hard as well. Even went out with a Christian girl once. That ended badly. She said, why can't you be more like Jesus? So I disappeared for three days. That <laughs> <laughs> showed her. Don't mess me about. That's the rule. But I, no, I don't, the thing is, I don't trust them. If you are religious, I'm sorry. I don't trust you. I've learned from bitter experience. You can't afford to trust them. Not long ago, I caught a Jehovah's Witness trying to open the boot of my car. I said to him, I locked you in there for a reason. <laughs> you can't trust anyone anymore. That's the point. I don't trust people. I don't even trust what I read anymore. I was reading one of those women's magazines the other day. Some of you probably reading too. Had a little questionnaire in the back, a little quiz. I thought, oh, I'll fill that in. Turns out I need a smear test. <laughs> you can't trust people. That's the point. I don't trust anyone. So you've got to, I, I tell you who I blame as well. I blame, I blame the advertisers. They're the people who create this atmosphere of mistrust. You can't trust any of them, you know? And of course, the worst lies in advertising the cosmetics companies. I've been using the same wrinkle cream for years, and my balls look no different. <laughs> it's a difficult world. You've got to be equipped. That's what I think. Some of you guys are like you're equipped, some of you don't. I'm not equipped. I had a very difficult upbringing. You know? 
very unusual upbringing. I still remember the day my parents told me I was adopted. I was shocked. But I said, Mike, Steve. <laughs> now I know why you guys are black. <laughs> but they were good guys. A lot of fun being brought up by gay men. That's the thing. I enjoyed it. Whenever I wanted to annoy them, I'd just say, who's the daddy? They didn't like that. But they were. They were good guys. Brought me out well. Taught me about life. Taught me what life's about. You know, life's about making mistakes. We all make mistakes. Point is, you've got to learn from your mistakes. I like the thing I learned from my mistakes. Made a mistake the other day. I was having dinner with this woman. It was all going very well at first. Until she became offended because I said the word shit. But that's what she looked like. <laughs> I was just being honest. Well, that's all I've got time for today, but, uh, but thank you very much for listening. Um, I'm doing a show, a little play, down at the third door, Gilded Balloon Venue, the other side of Bristow Square, at 4.30 every afternoon. It's, uh, it's a little play in which I play a cockney nut, so if you want to see me doing that, please come down. He's living in the basement of a shopping centre, and uh, he fantasises about having sex with David Cameron, so I think you'll love it. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Matthew Osborne, do check him out. Come back on, Matthew. Other, other Matthew Kelly is here. Look, he's still here. And um, because we haven't even spoken about stars in their eyes yet. Oh, which is yeah. An amazing show. Who was the worst person you ever saw on <laughs> <laughs> Stars in Their Eyes? Who was the least like? Well, uh, there were yeah, <laughs> there was one who didn't appear in the end, and uh, she did get picked, and uh, she was going to be Edith Piaf, and she was twenty stone, and in the end they wouldn't <laughs> let her, they wouldn't let her do it. But I, I said they should, yeah. because it was a, it was a sound light show. I loved doing that show. Yeah, one of the greatest things that happened on that show was one day there was somebody was doing a. Maybe it was a Tom Jones, I can't remember anyway. They had the, the biggest glitter ball you have ever seen above uh, the stage hanging from the grid. It was absolutely stunning. It was massive. And um, when I was rehearsing the show in the afternoon, um, we just finished lunch and I'm walking back down the side of the stage and this glitter ball was just above where I was standing to do all the links. And just as I'm walking onto the stage, it dropped from the grid and shattered into a million pieces. And there was terrible drama about it. We all got ushered out. And I thought, what a wonderful way to die. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the headline? TV's lovely beardy Matthew, a terrible glitter ball tragedy. <laughs> it would have been such a fitting end, wouldn't it? It was so great. Yeah, I had a fabulous time on that show. I loved it. I, I came down ago. once because uh, yeah, my, my then girlfriend, Julia Swala, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, was uh, was did, did Keris Matthews and was amazing. She, did. she was fantastic and she won it. Yes, she well. did. But she arrived as Keris yeah. Matthews. She lurched into the makeup room with a bottle of champagne in one hand and a joint in the other, off her face. <laughs> about two hours late, she, and she, what she, she was, was like all the time. She was, <laughs> <laughs> but she, she wasn't off her face at all. She was just being Keris yeah. Matthews, and she was quite brilliant. And she just played the part. She she did it as an actress, and I I really admired her. And of course, there was nobody I thought was shit on that show ever. No. And people used to say to me sometimes on you know the next day they go, oh, so and so was a bit shit, weren't they? And I thought, and, and I I absolutely believed that every single one of them was fantastic. And that's I suppose because this is what used to happen, right? When they used to, we used to take two days to do the show, and on the first day uh, they would come in, and the first thing they'd have to do was each sing the song five times. 
And when they came on, the first time, and without fail this used to happen, they used to come on and they'd sing the song and they'd go, oh, I wish I hadn't done this, I feel terrible, I'm going to be ill, this is the, big, the biggest mistake of my life. The second time they sing it, they go, oh God, well I suppose I shall have to do it now, this is awful, the third time they'll do it, oh well this isn't too bad really, and then the fourth time they do it, they go, oh I'm really getting into this, the fifth time they do it, you couldn't get them off, <laughs> thank you so much. And the great thing about the show was, all I had to do was tip up and be nice to them. Yeah. And they were doing all the work and I was getting all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, pop it in that wheelbarrow. I'll get a little man to wheel it home for me. Yeah. But I suppose it kind of was the precursor to the X Factor and all, the, all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, to which I am devoted. Yeah. I love X Factor. I love Britain's Got Talent. I love America's Got Talent. I just think it's fantastic. And part of it is to do with the fact that it has nothing to do with reality. And the other part is, is to do with the fact that I love being manipulated. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a win-win, really, from all angles. I love it. And my, but I have to say, my favourite TV show of all time is Judge Judy. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, just trailer trash arguing about furniture <laughs> being shouted at by a New York Jewish dwarf is the height <laughs> of entertainment for me. I love daytime. I love, I love Come Dine With Me. I love, I, I love uh, those reality shows. I do love them. I like um, watching uh, Challenge TV and watching old quiz shows, basically. So I don't know, I was, I've been watching Henry Kelly and Going for Gold again. It's, I, I like that oh. kind of... The 25-year gap of going back and it's sort of, it's like, again, it's like drama. We were talking about that on the way here. Stevie, who runs our show, was saying, it was so unfair. <laughs> well, you know, they had, it was supposed to be European. Does anybody remember going they for God? I mean, it was supposed to be pan-European, the first European show, right? And uh, they all come in, they're from Finland and they're from Sweden <laughs> and they're from Norway. And, you know, they would ask them the most incredibly difficult questions in English. And then they'd ask Brian from Scunthorpe, <laughs> and uh, what is uh, three times two? <laughs> Brian, ah, I think you'll find that's a winner. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and Henry, mind you, I was up for that job. Were you? Yeah, I was, and I really, really needed the work as well, but I kind of thank God that Henry Kelly got it in. So I think actually they probably got the wrong name. Yeah, it might be that happens. Yeah, I think that happens. That happens. But it's fantastic watching back. Actually, Claire and I were watching the telly the other day because we all shared, we shared digs, me and Claire. And... Um, we put Challenge TV on and Stars in Their Eyes came oh, on. Wow. And it was Leslie Crowther doing the first, because Leslie Crowther did the first three series. And um, it was Shirley Bassey winning. And it was just great because it's like 20 years on. Yeah. And actually, you see all those shows today. I mean, all the shows that I, you know, those people shows and uh, Game for a Laugh and You Bet and Stars in Their Eyes, there were no prizes on them. And that's what I loved about them. You know, they were lucky if they got a bunch of flowers at the end. <laughs> and I, I love shows like that about... We used to do You Bet. You Bet was a great show. I love that. I used to think people would come on... The best thing I ever saw on You Bet, right, was this bloke who said that he could tell the nationality of any stamp by licking the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> How useful is that? I mean, it's just... Brilliant skill. Huh? I mean, where would you use that? Maybe if you got kidnapped. You go, I don't know where I am, but oh, Peru. I'm <laughs> 
Terrific. Look, we've got to do a quick competition to end the show. So uh, we need. To, what we're going to do is make some statements, the true or false. You here in the room have a chance to win all these amazing prizes. I'm going to give you a copy of my DVD for free, Matthew oh, Kelly. I want you to have that. You, uh, you get that for. <laughs> I can't, can't get rid of them. Uh, but, uh, I'll tell you, you. If, it, if it was, uh, if it, I have had the Andrew Collins audio book, I would give you one of those. That would. Uh, but uh, um, what we need everyone to do is to stand up. We're going to make some statements that are true or false. You have to decide whether they're true or false. If you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom. The seat of all falsehood. And uh, if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. It's self-policing. If you win, you win all these wonderful prizes. And if you come second, you win some prizes as well. I'll kick you off. Uh, after uh, Matthew Kelly presented You Bet, it was taken over by a different presenter. It was the serial engagement man, Darren Day. Is that true or false? Did Darren Day present You Bet? No idea. You've got to take a guess. That is... is that, that's true, isn't that it? Is true. That's true. So yeah, sit down yeah. if you said false. For one series... I, I want to. I want to bring out some stamps. Talking of stamps, I want to bring out a collection of stamps called the Fiancés of Darren Day. I think that would be a good. <laughs> I think that would be a good. <laughs> good set. Have you got? Have you got some statements about, about any? You just have to make a statement. You have to know if it's true or false. Raph, you do. Do, you, do you want me to? Make yeah, a just statement? make a statement that you know is true or false. You can reveal something about yourself. About or, myself. About anything. About it can be about anything you want. I can do one about you if you want. Uh, Math. I'll do one. Matthew's real name is Simon. Is that true or false? Is that true or false, Matthew? It is false. My real name is David. David Allen Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. That's the kind of thing. Do you, do you have anything you can give us, or do you want to, me to do another one while you ever think? Uh, I have a fascination for serial killers. True or false? <laughs> <laughs> of course it's true, obviously. It's true. <laughs> is it? Which one's your favourite one? Yes, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I kill... Oh, I kill yeah. chat show hosts. Be afraid. <laughs> I am a little bit afraid. I saw you in that. You did do it. You played it. I did play a serial It was yeah, very, very, very terrifying. Uh, all right, let's have a think. Um, oh, I'll do another thing from this. Oh, I know. Oh, you got one? Uh, I know. I usually uh, got loads of these. Oh, uh, uh, I, I. This is the best I, minute of uh, has ever been on this podcast. Oh, ah, yes, ooh. Yes. <laughs> I once played a stooge called Cynthia. True or false? What's that? Is that? True? That is true. That is and true. It was, yeah, it was a stooge for which? Does anybody know who it was for? Hilda Baker. Anybody ah. know who Hilda Baker? Oh, thank ah. you. Right, oh, thank you for your interest. Yeah. <laughs> she was the biggest star of, of all time in the fifties. My play after uh, excavating Rita was called "Playing Hide and Seek with Buddha." Is that true or false? That is false. It was playing hide and seek with Jesus, obviously. Oh. You might not have met any of my fans in, so sit down if you got that wrong. If you got, if you got anything else, see what else I can find. There's loads of. Uh, Interesting stuff we can find out here. Mm. Um, uh, the uh, oh, let me think. I've, I've just been swimming. <laughs> True or false? <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well done. It's like screen tests. Some of it you have to you have to remember. Who's still in? So is there four people in? Good. You got one more. Th- I've got one point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matthew Kelly has ten grandchildren. True or false? Wow, there's one man gone for true. One man's gone for true? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, he's won it then. It's true, you've won. I think it's a man, it's hard to see over there. Congratulations. 
pass that lovely stuff back. Be careful, there's some stuff on the top. Uh, the people who came second, oh, there was, you can spare those amongst those people who came second, third and fourth. Quickly grab them. Uh, and uh, Well, thank you, that's brilliant. We've had a lovely time. Thank you. Will you please give it up for my fantastic yesterday, Matthew Kelly and Matthew Osborne. We're back tomorrow. I think with Craig Campbell, who's very worth seeing. So do come along. Please come and see Talking Cock at 8.15. Please. I need you. Thank you very much. <laughs>